are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Some good stuff on the docket for this Wednesday edition of the show. Yesterday, we discussed all things to know about the defensive side of the ball for the Louisville Cardinals. Today, we're going to flip the script and focus on the offense. We'll break it down into three segments. We'll begin with the quarterbacks and running backs. We'll transition into the skill position at wide receiver and tight end. And then we'll focus on the offensive line to end the show. But first, uh, for those who are not aware of who I am, my name is Dalton Pence. You can find me on Twitter at Dpence underscore. The Twitter podcast page is at LO underscore Louisville. I am a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a recruiting analyst and a feature writer. I'm formerly a part of Fansided's Big Red Louie and the state of Louisville, and I also do some backup PA announcing work for the university in sports like soccer, baseball, lacrosse, field hockey, so on and so forth. Uh, before we get into it, I do want to bring up Locked On ACC. For me, there's simply no better way to get ACC content as a whole than listening to the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. Be sure to follow that podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcast, because in my opinion, you can't fully grasp the state of the program without understanding the relative context of the rest of the conference as a whole. So definitely check out that podcast. Let's dive right on into the content. We'll start out looking at the quarterback position for the Cardinals. There will be no surprise there. Malik Cunningham back yet again for his third season as the starter for the Cards. Um, last season had a little bit of a step back with his turnovers, but I thought ultimately there was a lot to like in his ability to escape hits and evade defenders out of the pocket. I thought decision-making was better last year in certain aspects in terms of throwing the ball away, but still those turnovers really proved to be the main factor for the cards. Um, what, what was alarming was that the program was 124th in the nation and turnovers lost with 24 which ranks bottom five in FBS. There were only two other ACC teams that ranked lower than the Cardinals last year. That was Duke and Georgia Tech. So there's a lot of work cut out for Malik Cunningham. However, it seems you know you can take you know coach talk and other players talk from the spring offseason, however you will. But um, all of the notions coming out of spring ball and the off-season workouts is that Malik Cunningham is looking better than ever. He's living in the film room. He's gaining chemistry with his new wide receivers. So there's going to be a lot to build on there. Like I mentioned in the very first episode about his progression, I do think that he returns more to that 2019 form that we were used to seeing him as. It really just depends on, you know, making the right decisions. His work's going to be cut out for him this year just due to the fact that you don't have the three-headed monster in Javian Hawkins, uh, Tutu Atwell, and Des Fitzpatrick. That's why I was kind of hesitant to bring up last year's stats offensively, just because you're you're looking at a whole different you know room in terms of the offensive unit. So I, I wasn't necessarily comfortable bringing that up because it seems like apples to oranges. There was a lot of factors last year. In terms of this year, we're going to have to see Malik improve in his reads and his ability to let the play develop. Um, being able to move on to that second and third read, in my opinion, is one of the best measuring sticks for a quarterback, is being able to improvise when that number one option isn't there. So I think that that is the number one thing that Malik Cunningham needs to work on. 
Um, obviously, I'm not a coach or anything like that. This is just what I'm seeing watching the games. Uh, so there, there's not too much to it in the in the quarterback battle. Evan Conley is definitely a respected backup. There's guys like T.J. Lewis, even grad transfer Shy Wurtz is taking some snaps there. But it definitely seems like you have Cunningham, and then a tier below is Conley, and then um, the third stringer is kind of up for grabs. Uh, in terms of the running back committee, it's a little bit of a tale of two cities. Yes, there is a starter in Jalen Mitchell so far, but you know, it's not like the quarterback room where you don't necessarily have another guy competing for the spot realistically because you do. You have Hassan Hall. You have true freshman Travion Cooley. You have veteran Maurice Berkeley, And now you add uh, Jawar Jordan, the Syracuse speedster, into the mix. There is a very crowded running back room, which is good for a, a team that runs the ball as dominantly as Louisville does You know, in terms of usage and stuff like that. So I'm very interested to see just how this is going to transpire for the cards. As I mentioned, um, Jalen Mitchell is the starter heading into the preseason. Hassan Hall as the backup. Maurice Berkeley and Travion Cooley follow in line respectively. As I mentioned in terms of the newcomers that I'm very excited of and they're the guys that are going to break out onto the scene, I think that Travion Cooley, when given the opportunity, is going to absolutely ball out. Um, I thought that it was a very big deal that the Cards were able to beat out Duke in Florida for his services, ranked the number eight running back in the 2021 class by uh, 24-7 Sports Top 24-7. So the future is very bright in the backfield for the Cards, but when we look at this season in specifics, it's going to be very, very hard to gauge where these guys are without seeing them in actual game situations. I think that the depth chart is going to be a, a work in motion up until maybe halfway through the season, and there's still no guarantee that it's going to stop revolving. I think whichever guys are hot at the moment, you're going to feed the hot hand. And I definitely think that this is going to be a by-committee approach. So although there's going to be a number one guy at the top of the depth chart that will receive the most carries, you're going to have other guys be able to fit into that role. You know, Javian Hawkins received a good amount of carries last season, but um, when he wasn't having some health issues or um, issues uh, holding onto the ball, Hassan Hall received a ton of touches. You saw Jalen Mitchell get his. Uh, Maurice Berkeley was another guy that – played a role in the offense so it would not surprise me to see three to four backs being rotated in and out just really depending on matchups and stuff like that I think Jalen Mitchell when given the opportunity is going to prove that he is a lead back in the ACC so I don't necessarily have any issues or worries I should say with if there's going to be a guy that can step up I don't think it, that's necessarily the approach that's being taken I don't think it's necessarily a an issue of not having the guy. I think it's more so having the luxury of having so much depth that you just to have to play people, you have to rotate them in and out. And I think that's going to give a lot of defensive coordinators headaches because you have a very honest mesh of skill sets in that room. You have you know power backs and Jalen Mitchell and Travion Cooley, uh, but you also have your change of pace speed backs that are better at receiving. I think that Jawar Jordan fits into that mix, Hassan Hall, and um, the good thing is you can never have enough depth because, unfortunately, in these times of COVID, things happen. Um, guys can go down like flies in terms of being ruled 
um, you know, ineligible for a game due to health and safety protocols. So you, you know, having four to five guys that you can throw into that uh, backfield and be serviceable, that is a huge win for the University of Louisville and Scott or Scott Satterfield moving forward. Um, but when you break it down, uh, like I said, I think Jalen Mitchell is going to see the the most carries for the cards, especially starting out. I personally think that Travion Cooley is going to end up number two on that depth chart, and that's not a knock on Hassan Hall or anything like that. I just honestly think that Cooley is going to force Darrell Sims and Satterfield's hand and having to play him because I think that he's going to have a Travis Etienne-type freshman season. You know, obviously not a as high caliber as Etienne was as a freshman uh, coming out of Clemson, but you, the fact that they had to play him, even though it was going to be in limited usage, but once he was able to prove himself or get the opportunity to prove himself, I should say he definitely took advantage of the situation. So I think Cooley's going to be number two eventually. Hassan Hall and Jawar Jordan are going to give the good options and changing the pace and being able to find guys out of the backfield. I think that this is going to be able to open up the playbook even more for Scott Satterfield and an offense that you know needed to decrease predictability on offense. So before we get into the other skill positions at wide receiver and tight end, I want to talk to you about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. If you're a baseball fan, the season's in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Don't sit on the sidelines as this is your chance to get into the game as your team preps for their run to the playoffs. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. If you're not a baseball fan, that's okay. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs on NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. The list goes on. Be sure to head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So we kind of know who's going to step up at running back, or we at least have an idea. I think that there's a, a little bit more of a concern, or maybe not even a concern, but just an overall curiosity in terms of who's going to step up in the wide receiving core, and also the tight end committee is one to look at as well. As of right now, the starters at wide receiver uh, read as follow. You have Braden Smith, Jordan Watkins, and Justin Marshall. Uh, tight end is Des Melton, and the H-back is Marshawn Ford. We'll start with wide receiver uh, Braden Smith, Jordan Watkins, Justin Marshall. You have more of your speed guys, home run threats, and Smith and Watkins. Uh, Marshall is gaining a lot of praise as uh, as a bigger receiver, um, sort of like a Jamari Staples, if you can remember him from a couple years ago for the cards. And that's just the starters. There's some other guys like Josh Johnson, Shy Wirtz, Amari Huggins-Bruce, Tyler Harrell. The list goes on of possible guys who can step onto the field and be serviceable or even possible standouts for the team this fall. But there is no doubt that the cards have big shoes to replace in Atwell and Fitzpatrick, two of the best wide receivers in program history. And there's obviously no secret that no two guys are going to be able to carry that burden alone and fill those shoes. It's going to have to be a by-committee approach. Um, like I was talking to some people earlier, I personally think that Scott Satterfield may end up adopting sort of a philosophy that the 2013 Sugar Bowl team had, and that is one of just utilizing so many different receivers. Obviously, this team might not have a Devontae Parker-esque 
talent, but they do have a lot of depth that they can throw out there because when you look at that 2013 team, they had Parker, uh, Kai De La Cruz, Damian Copeland, uh, Andrew Smith, um, you know, so on and so forth. So there's there's a lot of guys that you can throw into that rotation and then being able to get you results. There's been a lot of praise for guys like Justin Marshall. Josh Johnson is a player that is going to seemingly get his opportunity to shine this year after waiting in the wings. Braden Smith, the JUCO guy that came into the program last year, seemingly going to be the number one wide receiver. We'll see how he is able to handle that increased pressure and um, you know better coverages from defense that are being able to game plan you know primarily for him rather than the two NFL draft picks from last year. Um, I'm very excited for Amari Huggins-Bruce. If you've listened to the Locked On Global Show, you know that that is not a secret. I think he's the next coming of T.Y. Hilton. There's been a lot of good praise for Shy Wirtz. They actually call him Unk just because he's older than most of the guys there, but there's um, you know been reports of him making plays. But the number one guy that's seemingly getting more praise than almost anyone in this offseason is a guy like Tyler Harrell, ran a 4.19 hand-timed 40 over the offseason, 4.24 timed, which makes him one of the fastest players in college football and one of, if not the fastest player in global program history. It's really just a matter of him staying healthy. You know, the best ability is availability. He told me in the offseason about a month ago when he was talking about what he needed to work on the most, and that was just consistency, staying consistently available more specifically, and just having the continuity in the weight room and on the field and being able to progress. And he spoke volumes of Malik Cunningham, and not only him, but their um, ability to connect and their chemistry that has grown and increased and gotten better. So all signs are going to point to it. Maybe not starting out as a starter, but I personally think that he's going to have a breakout season. And in my opinion, you know, him and Huggins-Bruce are the two guys in this wide receiving uh, core that we need to look at as possible guys that could turn a lot of heads this season. But uh, you know, other than that, there are a lot of guys that are looking to prove themselves as well. Josh Johnson has patiently waited in the wings for a couple seasons. Justin Marshall was a player last season that a lot of people thought could have a breakout year, but um, things didn't necessarily work out that way playing behind Tutu and Dez. In all reality, this is a offense that obviously runs the ball more so than not. I'd say it's probably a 60% to 40 um, ratio down uh, split when you look at the how plays are called and usages and stuff like that. So as as great it is when you think about trying to use an offense like 2013 and being able to supplement the run with so many guys on the wide receiving core, the reality is in all likelihood those targets are probably going to be limited. So it's just going to be a matter of who's going to separate themselves and the limited opportunities that they have. Moving on to the tight end committee, there's no doubt that Marshawn Ford is going to be one of the best tight ends in the ACC this season, I think, with increased uh, offensive line play, which we'll talk about in the final segment, but also better chemistry with Malik Cunningham. I think he is going to be one of the best tight ends in football, in my opinion. Just being able to use his athleticism in that H-back role uh, is just simply unfair to opposing defenses. It's going to cause a lot of headaches to uh, opposing defensive coordinators. Isaac Martin is backing him up. At tight end, I think that's where we kind of look in terms of who who are we going to focus on? The number one starter coming out of the pre or coming into the preseason, I should say, is Des Melton. Um, he is a redshirt freshman from Glendale, Arizona. 
didn't necessarily play significant snaps. Um, redshirted, like I said, so there's going to be a little bit of question whether or not he's going to be able to come in and produce right away. Uh, but he obviously has done something right to be number one on that depth chart. Behind him is Francis Sherman. Sherman at 6'3", saw a little bit of action last year, appeared in nine games. He made his debut against Miami in that second game, um, scored a touchdown against Wake Forest in the season finale in a three-catch for 19-yard performance. So a lot of people were interested to see him more in terms of spring ball and the offseason there's going to be a lot of opportunity here at the tight end position with Marshawn Ford being being listed as the starting H-back, but in all reality, Ford is going to basically be a tight end in that role. So whoever is going to be playing significant stats at that second tight end is going to be a secondary pass catcher. So not a ton of targets are projected to go at the second pass catcher's way, uh, but I do think that you're going to see them make some bigger plays just like Francis Sherman did in that game against Wake Forest because, you know, there's so many guys that you have to mark and just being able to, you know, slot either Melton or Sherman on a linebacker and let them go to work. Um, some other guys, Vic Mullen, Christian Peterson, looking at those guys, Isaac Martin. There are a handful of guys in that room and not only in the tight end room but the wide receiving core as well that limited opportunities are going to be available. So to break into the starting lineup or more importantly see significant snaps throughout the game it's going to depend on who is able to make the most out of those opportunities and take advantage and all of that good stuff and produce so yes there is an advantage to being the starter on the depth chart but you know at the end of the day I think the coaching staff is going to cycle in a lot of different guys and a lot of different packages to just see what sticks um, we already know about the running back committee the wide receiving core and the tight end room are going to be interesting to look at in terms of who's going to stand out and earn that spot there's a lot of mouths to feed and there's just simply not a lot of food to go around theoretically so that's something to keep an eye on especially how the Cardinals line up in week one against Ole Miss another area that the Cardinals have a lot of depth but still looking for guys to show out on is the offensive line before we talk about the offensive line, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Yep, you knew it was coming, but did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Um, if you talk to a Built Bar fan like myself, they're definitely passionate about their favorite flavors. I've come along to the coconut flavor. I honestly didn't think I was going to like it, but it's turned out to be tremendous. Uh, peanut butter brownie is great. Salted caramel is my favorite. There's other flavors for everyone. Double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, coconut, almond, etc. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the nine. Uh, not only are Built Bar flavors the most tasting, but they are healthy as well. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only about 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs, while others have about 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 net carbs. There's 9 amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. You can order today and get that raspberry and mint brownie or whatever you like. Be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your first order. That is, once again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
So in terms of the offensive line, like I mentioned, there's a lot of depth there. Jack uh, Bicknell met with the media yesterday to discuss uh, some things at media day. Uh, Also, Caleb Chandler was with him. Uh, One thing that I want to point out that I I saw reported by Matt McGavick of uh, uh, Louisville Sports Illustrated, and that's the fact that this might be one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line Bicknell has coached, according to him. Um, also is comfortable going 8-10 to 10 deep. And that is something that we just haven't had in any point under Scott Satterfield's tenure. And that is probably the number one thing that Sat had identified that needed to be addressed was just getting depth in the trenches. We saw that with the first recruiting class. Um, Flyville 21 was more of the same. They brought him some guys, Aaron Gunn, uh, Michael Gonzalez. And, um, you know, they're bringing back a ton of guys from last season. Cole Bentley was one of the most notable ones to come back. But in terms of the starters and what we're looking at at this moment, Trevor Reed enters preseason camp as the starting left tackle. Uh, Caleb Chandler next to him. Cole Bentley at center. Adonis Boone at right guard. And right tackle is Renato Brown. Uh, Behind them, Luke Kandra at left guard. Michael Gonzalez at left tackle. Center is Brian Hudson, the Virginia Tech transfer from Scott County, who that's a guy we're going to point out in here in just a second Joshua Black at right guard and Des Daniels at right tackle like I mentioned Bicknell is comfortable as he said going eight to ten deep and that's such a luxury that we haven't had since the Charlie Strong days of being able to rotate guys in and out I mentioned on the defensive side of the ball yesterday it's great when you have such solid ones but it is even more critical when you have a solid group of twos that you can put in and be serviceable and not skip a beat. That's when you know that your program is starting to take a step forward and be able to turn the corner, I think, to reach that upward trajectory that a lot of Louisville fans are seeking for that offensive line. Um, it's got to come with meaningful depth and having guys that don't get worn down by the end of the season because you can rotate them in. That's why a guy like Brian Hudson is so valuable because although he's not listed as a starter, he's going to be a player that the staff has identified is going to probably play maybe the majority of snaps on the offensive line uh, outside of maybe a guy like Trevor Reed uh, being able to not only play center, and he's a, he's a player that had not played any center coming into college, uh, can play center, can play guard, being able to be versatile allows the cards to pick and plug because injuries do happen, especially on that offensive line. So you have to be able to plan for that. Trevor Reed is the guy that I truly want to focus on the most because it's been a couple seasons and since Makai Becton has been, I say a couple seasons, like, you know, that's, you know, a long time, but it, you know, last year was the first year without Makai Becton, and it showed not having that big presence at left tackle that you can run behind. The cards sorely need that for the running game, and um, being able to have a big guy like Trevor Reed, um, who was supposed to come in and maybe be the guy right out of Juco last season, out of, out of, um, you know, the Georgia area, but things didn't necessarily work out. But after talking to Renato Brown earlier in the summer with his media availability, there was a ton of praise for Trevor Reed. When Scott Satterfield met with the media, he, he raved about Trevor Reed and talked a couple minutes about how, how how far he had come, how much he expects from him this season. And that's obviously showing with him being slated at the left tackle position. So I'm so excited for him moving forward. And for the Louisville offensive line as a unit, being able to have an anchor, and not only do you have that, but you have a ton of 
depth and experience. You're mi- mixing in those young guys like Michael Gonzalez, like Luke Kandra, like Des Daniels and Renato Brown with a ton of experience. Uh, like I mentioned, Cole Bentley coming back, which is big. Caleb Chandler is projecting as one of the best guards in the ACC this season. So I don't think it's without you know, a doubt that this is the best that Scott Satterfield has had in the trenches at, at all in his you know soon-to-be third year at the helm for the Cards. And that shouldn't be a surprise. You know, Making that jump is one of the biggest developments of the fall coming into the season. I personally think that um, you know having eight to ten deep allows you to possibly compete fully with teams like Ole Miss and Kentucky because I think that both of those teams are bad matchups for the Cards. Not only because there's a ton of skill positions on the outside, there's a ton of speed and size, but also you know just the true size in the trenches is what has served as the kryptonite for the cards and why they haven't really been able to put a dent against Kentucky in the two meetings that they played against them in both 2018 and 2019. So I think that the ultimate progression of the offense is going to rely mostly on Malik Cunningham and his progression and the wide receiving core and guys stepping up there, but we can't underestimate the um, ability for the offensive line to shoot this trajectory forward. And just the matter of the fact that there's no better way to allow Malik Cunningham to continue to progress in his development than giving him a clean pocket. Back in 2019, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in America when not rushed. Now, obviously, uh, you're, you're saying, oh, Dalton, well, I mean, it's it's a it's a part of the game that you have to make plays when you get rushed. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but when you look at teams that – have a lot of success. You know, you look at Clemson, you look at Alabama, you look at LSU, Ohio State. Um, one thing, you know, that I like to look at is like LSU in 2019. Yes, we can talk about how skilled those guys were. I mean, I mean, they had Joe Burrow, they had Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, Clyde Edwards, Elair, all, you know, very high draft picks. But one unsung hero was the offensive line. They had arguably the best offensive line in football. And you bet if you ask Joe Burrow, one of the reasons, if not the main reason of why that offense was so successful is because they had such a steady offensive line that gave him time to make his reads, to make his progressions, that when plays did break down, hey, I mean, the guy had a ton of time to be able to make you know, plays whether it be with his feet, whether it be uh, finding a check down. But, you know, there's no doubt that I, I trust Malik Cunningham's ability to get out and run. But when you give him a clean pocket, we've seen how efficient and how accurate he can be. His deep ball is improving. I think it's going to help wide receivers, especially if there's some trouble with separation. And not only that, but we mentioned that talented running back core. You know, it's 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 all synergy when you look at the grand scheme of things. Having an improved offensive line is going to be, you know, one of the highlighted points heading into the fall. And I haven't been this excited about a Louisville offensive line since the Charlie Strong days. So I think that guys like Caleb Chandler, like Trevor Reed, like Brian Hudson, these are your future NFL draft picks. So I'm super super interested and intrigued. Not only the fact that, hey, we've got a one of the best ACC lines potentially at the starting five. I'm not going to go ahead and put it above Clemson or Miami or North Carolina, but I think you know there's definitely some ability to and justification to look at it possibly being a top five unit. But not only am I excited for the starters, but I'm probably more so 
excited about the depth that they have, just being able to keep that continuity and help Malik all game long and um, just being able to avoid injuries and make it a cohesive offense. So you can look at that in a couple of different ways, but at the end of the day, the offense is in good hands. We talked about the overall offensive outlook with the quarterback and quarterbacks and running backs, the wide receivers and tight ends, and in the final segment with the offensive line. Uh, if you haven't already, I definitely urge you to go back and look at the defensive line segment from Monday. Um, I'm sorry, Tuesday. I'm losing track of my days. Um, I have some good stuff in store for the Thursday edition of the show. We're going to dive into some class superlatives and look into some possible uh, award scenarios. And we're going to look at the best candidates for possible All-American and All-Conference honors. But um, before we get out of here, I do want to talk to you a little bit about Locked On Bets. Betting on any team does not have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Be sure to follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you like to get your podcasts. And before we head out of here for good, I do want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in these your previous seven to eight episodes. It's been a blast. I've, I've enjoyed all the feedback and the discussion that have resulted from it. I want to hear more from you all. Be sure to like and sub- subscribe to the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Defense underscore the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. And also be you know, don't be hesitant to reach out with any guests that you'd like to see on to co-host that you'd like me to bring on to to ask some questions. So that's going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the Locked on Louisville podcast. Um, be sure to check on the Locked on ACC podcast for all of your context in the uh, conference as a whole. Have a great day, and we'll see you on Thursday.